Grace and peace to you, Bloom. Welcome to our guided liturgy podcast and happy Easter. We'll be going through the season of Easter with the church and we will be centering on the scriptures that the lectionary gives us each week. Our hope is that you would experience the reality of resurrection all around you as you enter into the liturgy, into the prayers, the confession, the discussion, the songs, that you would find the life of Christ to be tangible and vibrant in your own life. Peace to you. Bloom, let's join together with the church worldwide in praying the prayer of the day. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal Mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In baptism we died with Christ, so that as Christ was raised from the dead, we might walk in newness of life. Let us receive new life from him as we confess our sins in penitence and faith. Lord Jesus, you raise us to new life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you forgive us our sins. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you feed us with the living bread. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Though the tears fall from our eyes, the ground in turn is watered. Creation springs from the earth, so new life can come out of our sorrow. Though grief holds on to our hearts, its grip is beginning to loosen. With hope, we look to the Lord to wear our help. All there is to say Our words feel shallow and empty You give us a reason to sing And turn our morning to dancing Oh, rivers of living water Flow from your heart into ours so fill us to overflowing until we thirst no more in you our souls find rest you hold and hymn us in the longings of our
lights on Sometimes it's more like a whisper We wait in anticipation And look for what you're resurrecting We watch and listen and wonder To the ways in which you are working We pray with hearts wide open To hear your voice, oh God And in you our souls find rest You call them in us in the longings of our hearts Are met in you our souls find rest You call them in us Here a reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4. All the believers were unified in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Hear a reading from John's first letter to the church, chapter 1. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. 
But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Mark's account of the resurrection of Jesus ends with Mary and Mary, two women that knew Jesus, that were his followers and his friends, leaving the empty tomb in a way that we wouldn't expect them to be leaving. Mark describes it this way, and they, meaning the two women, went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And then the gospel is over. That's it. It's um, really striking, the posture that they took, both in their reaction to the empty tomb and in their hearts. They had been told by a heavenly messenger, an angel, a being, that Jesus was not there, that he had risen. If they had listened closely, he had spoken about this resurrection. But they leave afraid, and they leave trembling, and they leave holding it all in their own hearts. They don't tell anybody. I think this is um, such a picture of what happens when mortals come face to face with the reality of the eternal, which includes the reality of Jesus's resurrection and resurrection at all. We don't expect it to be that way. I mean, no one expects a tomb of a dead man to be empty. And yet this is what they encounter. And we may be tempted to think, well, if I was there, I would be drawn into the mystery and the power and the beauty of it. But no, they were overcome, overtaken with fear, with trembling. They were silenced. I think that in some way speaks to the vast contrast between the eternal and the temporal. And if we're honest, that's really all of our experiences, our shared experience with our interaction with the eternal, with resurrection itself, it's jarring. It's unexpected. It's scary even to think about life beyond what we can see and touch and experience and that which we move through in a linear progression here in our, in our journey through time. That in the empty tomb, they're confronted with the reality in which Jesus was always walking in. Even when he was among them, eating and drinking and being human. He also had these events, these these places in his life, these spaces that he created in which the eternal broke through and people were healed and set free and loved and, and valued. And he called it the kingdom of God. But now they see it in a way that they cannot fathom. 
death has been defeated. In the letter that John writes to the church, he calls people to not be afraid and not to avoid this interaction with resurrection, with the reality of the eternal. What he calls the church into is to experience, to touch, to feel resurrection, Christ, life itself. And he writes to the church so beautifully, I'll just read it again. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John is speaking about the incarnated Christ. That which was from the beginning, Christ who holds all creation together, who existed before time, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes in the person of Jesus. He's talking here about the incarnation, which we've looked upon and touched. This man, Jesus, that we followed around, that we were inspired by, that we came to love. This is the Christ incarnate. He is the word of life. John goes on to say, the life that was made manifest, we saw it and we testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. John doesn't try to explain away eternal realities such as resurrection, incarnation, but what he does is he invites people into the experience of the eternal, into the experience of the eternal one, Christ. He invites them to join with him in the experience of touching, feeling, seeing what God is like through Jesus. And so it is for us that if you try to explain away everything, if you try to understand resurrection and death and life and the threshold that none of us have crossed and can tell about it, it starts to lose its wonder. It starts to lose the texture that it has as being other than And perhaps it would not draw us into a deeper reality, but instead we're invited to experience resurrection for ourselves, to open ourselves up to the one who is resurrection, to Christ, revealed in us, around us, through us, among us, holding us still. And that's Easter. That it's not just about one event, but it's about what that one event, resurrection, points to in the realm of the eternal that resurrection is all around us. We're absorbed in it. And that Easter invitation is that we would be open more and more to the resurrected one, to life himself in Christ. And so I understand a little bit about how those two women, the friends of Jesus, have felt that day. Because Christ calls us to tread into waters in which we do not understand. It's scary. It doesn't make sense. But we're called nonetheless to experience the one who transcends this temporal realm, who has defeated death, who has risen, who is resurrection among us. And that's the invitation that we have. So my hope and my prayer is that we take that invitation along with the church in this season, open ourselves up all the more to resurrection. I just want to start by saying I'm in no way as large-minded as John, but I really appreciate how he writes in a way that is almost incomprehensible. I feel like that's my experience with resurrection is really even just the first couple of verses that were read. It's like, Mm. I'm going to name that this is God from the beginning, 
from the beginning, God. And yet somehow we were able to see with our eyes and touch with our hands. And there's a connection there that's, I can't quite make, but can feel (laughs) when I'm reading that. I mean, it is similar to the gospel of John, that first chapter. It's similar when he's explaining where Christ, you know, where Jesus comes from. And you're just like, Mm. it's so big and God is so much bigger yet we got to see God with our eyes and touch God with our hands. And that's been my experience is that these things that should be too big for me to grasp or touch or see have been brought down to a place where I can see them and touch them and understand them. I think I've had to train myself uh, over the past several years, just growing up in the church, you hear about resurrection as this, as more like heaven, like Mm -hmm. this thing that's coming. And not necessarily like what scripture says of how it's all around us already. Like mm-hmm. that, that there's life, there's newness, that there's beauty, that there's resurrection all around us. And I, I've had to kind of train myself to see those things. And I would say over the past year, it's even been more pronounced just because of how divided our country is, because of how divided just everything is right now and how things just kind of feel off like it's been comforting almost to be like you need to look for the resurrection in in this life mm-hmm. you need to look for the things that are that are new and that are showing up mm-hmm. and i love what john says when he says you know this has existed from the beginning like you said dulcie basically giving words to creation to like what we see in creation and in, in each other and i just i love how he talks about Jesus being life itself that's revealed to us. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it, it pulls us into beauty really mm-hmm. and into light and out of darkness. When we, when we look for the things that are giving life and breathing life instead of the things that are, you know, dragging, dragging us down. Mm-hmm. And as like trivial as it sounds like it's so helpful. It's, it's almost like having like a, a journal like a gratitude journal or something mm-hmm. where you're like just looking for the good things in your life but really you you could it's parallel i think to to new life mm-hmm. to to resurrection mm-hmm. and yeah i just i love that about john how he how he just kind of brings to light the things that are already there like revealing what's already there so that our little human eyes can see them and see resurrection i just i want to see more of it it might be one of those instances in which our current expression of church is too casual mm. with the reality. And I always, on Easter, struggle because, you know, you're supposed to celebrate, it's victorious, and it is, and that's good. And it's like the upbeat music and, you know, all sorts of stuff in the church. But what's so compelling about the way Mark ends his Gospels, he leaves us with two very close friends of Jesus standing there at the tomb, the empty tomb, the fulfillment of it all, and they're trembling and they're afraid. And um, again, I, I, I do think it's so very human. When we brush against the reality and the beauty even and the power of God. And so it, it's, it's, to me, it's this kind of interesting contrast mm-hmm. between their Easter morning and our American evangelical, you know, our current expression of it. Part of me, I'm not saying that we shouldn't 
be joyful, but part of me does wonder if if we're not missing something, if we're not missing the awe and the wonder and the fear even. I mean, where is death? I mean, like we can say with Paul, like where is the sting of death now? Like that's a very sobering and amazing thought. So it's just, you know, Easter is always funny for me because of that. And it's funny too because, you know, Mark's gospel just ends. They don't say anything. You don't know what's going to happen. And that's so very human. Like, well, you know, they just leave. And then someone, someone, not Mark, it, it's fine that they did that, I guess, but added this kind of okay ending to the rest of it to kind of appease the audience or the reader. And and I think there was good intentions behind that. But um, it's it's interesting. Like we have this tendency to want to explain or take away the the impact of something and what it does to us if it's if it's kind of uncomfortable or or fearful or too big for us to grasp but maybe that's a good place for us to be at easter is is standing right there with those two friends of of jesus completely unable to explain or comprehend what happened yeah i think that's kind of where i landed this year for the first time i have just I was just invited through a number of different things that I was reading and listening to to this whole idea of Holy Saturday and mm. just that middle time and the piece of that that was just so impactful for me was how definite the end had to have been because it was death like there is no like well maybe there was nothing to be hopeful for. It was the end. So there was this disappointment and devastation at a whole nother level than we can even comprehend because you're not even like holding out (laughs) for something, right? Like it was final and the depth of that and the extreme, like just what they must have emotionally been feeling with that like everything that they had thought and given their lives to like it was over done not what they thought and then you have the resurrection yeah i feel like that's what had to have added to it being so mind-blowing because you just it's not even on your radar Mm -hmm. i think you would be almost fearful to believe that it was true because you were at such a dark place that do you even risk hoping that this has really happened and what I when I was listening to this Lectio on Holy Saturday it talks about living in that in between of disappointment and discouragement and a place where you can't fathom something coming out of that to knowing now we know that there are miracles to come there. The kingdom is going to break through in ways that we can't fathom. Like what does it look like to live in that space? And for me, it has just been a challenge when you talk about like, where are you seeing resurrection? I'm a super optimistic person. So (laughs) ask me that question and I let's go. 
I can start naming all kinds of things. I love nothing more than to talk about where I see goodness <laughs> and life and, yeah. and it's not hard for me. Um, and so that's a very comfortable question and I'll just start naming things off. Mm-hmm. But I think what I've been challenged with is where can I hope for resurrection yeah. in situations that mm-hmm. feel like it's final? Yeah. I don't see any way out mm-hmm. of this. I don't, it's, it's done and it's dark and I'm disappointed. It's over. Where can I in that place hope for a resurrection to break through and believe that that's who God is in those situations where it would be mind boggling if life came out of that. I wonder if that's a piece of what was going through those two women's hearts and minds is that the realization that nothing is ever final and nothing perhaps would ever seem final to them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's um, not unlike the call to us in this season that these small tastes and glimpses and experiences of resurrection of the power of God would change us forever, would reorientate how we see ourselves in the world, how we experience life and how we experience death, that we would be drawn into an eternal reality. And Jesus spoke of this to his friends when he said, if you knock, if you ask, if you seek the spirit of God, the spirit of God will be given to you, will fill you. And that's really all it is for us. It's creating space in our lives to ask, to knock, to seek the Spirit of God, the reality of the eternal to flood us, to inspire us, to change us, perhaps to silence us, to cause us to stand in awe at the edge of what we thought was the end and what we thought was death and see the possibilities that live in the realm of the eternal with God and Christ. Bloom, we pray that you would see Christ, that you would touch, that you would experience the one who is from the beginning, who is with you now, who raises the dead. Christ be with you. Please join me for the prayers. For the peace that comes from God alone, for the unity of all peoples, and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For our city, for our neighbors and our friends, let us pray to the Lord. For the good earth which God has given us, and for the wisdom and will to conserve it, let us pray to the Lord. For the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, for the sick and suffering, and for all in any need, let us pray to the Lord. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Rejoicing in the communion of the saints, let us commend ourselves and one another and all our life to God. Amen.